I sort of joke when people say like how long have you you and Joe worked together I, I say well we've sort of been working together for 37 years really like ever since since he was born we've I feel like we've been working together to sort of go through different phases of our lives but it's really difficult for me to think about Joe as being famous like I don't see anything other than my little brother that's Nicky Wicks, the CEO of The Body Coach and the older brother of Joe Wicks, who you probably heard about at least during COVID. We're talking with Nicky because he's the one really managing the business, but his voice isn't the one we normally hear. It's his brother Joe, aka The Body Coach, who's a household name. In case you don't know, Joe is a fitness coach with a massive online following. He's the author of one of the best-selling cookbooks of all time, Lean in 15, having sold over a million copies in its first year alone. Now, during the pandemic, Joe became known as the nation's PE teacher, delivering exercise sessions on YouTube for children every week. One class of PE with Joe was live streamed by nearly a million people, earning him a place in the Guinness World Records. Now, Joe has his own personal brand, but The Body Coach is also a fast-growing business that Nikki has built along with Joe over the past seven years. Their YouTube channel has over two and a half million subscribers, and they also hit over a million downloads on their app in their first year. They are booming. I met Nikki shortly before we recorded this episode and thought we had to get him on. He's amazing. So I was delighted when he agreed to come on because he's never actually done a podcast before. He much prefers to let his brother Joe do the talking. But as the CEO of this fast-growing bootstrapped business, I wanted to hear his side of the story. Welcome to Secret Leaders from Kindling Media. I'm your host, Dan Murray-Serta, and in my conversations with other leaders, I uncover key moments that have helped them achieve the success they have today. Joe Wicks, the body coach, is now an established name with four and a half million followers on Instagram. It's a far cry from the early days. Joe started off as a personal trainer. He started, you know, boot camps, training in the park, group fitness in the park, started using social media. Um, this was all around sort of 2012 time, so it was 10 years this year. I, at the time, was working on the London Olympics as a journalist and a magazine editor, and I would loved it. I loved my, I loved working in magazines. I was living with Joe at the time. We were living together in Surbiton, and he was just sort of finding his feet as a as a personal trainer. Really, um, I was kind of in the background, really. You know, from the start, I was helping him do his flyering initially, as as all you know, a lot of the family were helping him hand out leaflets, and and I never forget those those early days. He used to wake up at like you know, you've heard this story because Joe shared it, but my my side of this story is that I just remember the winter. The winter sticks out in my memory, but I'd wake up at like eight o'clock, get up, I'm not a morning person, probably quite grumpy, and and Joe would be walking in the door because he had got up at you know half five quarter to six and cycled to Richmond with a trailer on his bike full of kettlebells and weights and battle ropes to go to his boot camp in Richmond and I just remember it was like still dark eight o'clock you know when I was getting up and he I'd say oh how was it today you know and there are days where you just look at me and you're just like oh like no one can't I didn't think I was going to cry today. What's really weird, Joe can't tell this story without crying. He, he, you know, whenever he does talks or speaks, whenever he talks about this, he always chokes and he, and he always says, like, it, no matter how many times he tells it, 
it never gets um it never gets past that emotion that just just come suddenly just gut comes i've never really told anyone this story um and as i'm saying it i've i've kind of you know felt emotional at the exact same bit but um yeah look some days he'd go no nobody came and it would just it would break my heart and then i'd sort of go off to work and he'd probably go out to bed or usually go and do a personal training session um and so yeah that was the sort of start of, 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 of joe's journey really and I was sort of in the media, so I was, you know, using social media, and I remember sort of saying, oh, you know, talking about Instagram when it first came out, and and then I went off to Singapore. I got a job as um, uh, editor of Campaign Magazine um, in Singapore. Things were growing, and social media was growing. I was sort of, you know, again, we'd speak every day. We we always speak probably five or six times a day, even even now, and he sort of started to say, oh, look, you know, this is starting to get. Um, quite big like i'm getting a you know i think he just got a, got a book deal um that wasn't you know wasn't planned wasn't intended he never he never set out to, to be it to, to to write cookbooks it came about because you know his, his instagram was growing and, and and someone approached him to do a book um and i was like oh joe there's no way i'm coming back to work work with you like i you know we're too close i, don't, I you know families and businesses it never works and i was also really loving life in singapore um and then I can't remember we came I came back for his birthday and we had a trip and I remember sort of sitting down with one of my friends at the time and one of Joe's friends we've we've basically got the same friends we've got a group of eight of us seven or eight of us and we're we're super close and we've we've kind of got the same friends and my friend said oh what are you going to do like Joe's you know he's starting to starting to take off a bit and you know you sh- he's like he said that he told me that you he'd asked you to come and help him out and I said yeah I just I'm just worried that you know it's not working together is going to you know damp, you know be hard work with our relationship and he was just said something to me he's like come on I, you know I think you should come and help him out and he sort of said like if you don't he's gonna you know someone else is going to and it, and and they're not going to have the same they're not going to look after him like like I like I guess I would. Nikki decided to come back to help Joe and in 2015 they set about building the brand of the body coach. This strong need to take care of his brother developed during their difficult childhood. In the last couple of years, I've been thinking about this a lot and also just been on a journey recently with Joe where we made a documentary, a very personal documentary with, with BBC One about um, about parental mental health and kind of using Joe's, yeah, Joe's childhood and, and my childhood as a bit of a kind of springboard to, to explore to explore the issue. And so I've realised and, and come to learn in the last really, yeah, probably 18 months, two years is Although Joe and I were, we're 18 months apart in age, so we're very close. For the most part, we experienced the same things. Like we were in the same room, you know, events or things that happened. Like Joe and I were both there. And what I've realized now, you know, as a 38-year-old, is that he experienced it completely differently to me. And partly it's memory. We remember such different things. Um, Joe was very good at sort of blocking things out or kind of not acknowledging them or seeing them at a young age. I was the opposite. I, I, I absorbed and was aware of everything that was going on. So just for, for some, you know, for context, my parents, um, my mum had me when she was very young. She was 16 when she, when she fell pregnant with me. Um, and my dad has suffered with drug addiction his entire life. He's been a, he's been a recovering, um, drug addict. Um, yeah, since before, you know, before I was born. Um, and my mum also suffered with quite severe mental health um, issues, um, more so around um, eating with quite 
bad eating disorders and also um, really quite severe OCD. So she was obsessively an excessive cleaner. She cleaned the house a lot. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I had a quite a disruptive childhood. Um, dad was away a lot in and out of, of rehab. Um, my mum didn't work. So we had, you know, we didn't sort of, um, we were on benefits and we lived on a, you know, lived on a, on a council estate and it was, I was quite a nervous, scared and anxious child. Um, I didn't feel safe. Um, always kind of felt like there was danger quite close by. And I remember, I remember sort of hearing things constantly and going away and trying to figure out what they meant. I didn't really talk to anyone. I, I didn't really kind of ask. I wasn't very open about, I, I internalized a lot of what was going on around me at quite a young age. Um, I think I, I think I might mentioned to you before. I, I remember being about five the first time I heard the word drugs. I was walking along a little wall near my nan's house, and she she was having a conversation with my mum about my dad. And I heard the word drugs, and I was like, "What does this mean?" I keep I must have known that there was something not right about it, and um, I just remember laying in bed night after night thinking about it, like, "What does it mean?" And I remember coming to the conclusion: I was, "Oh, it must be um, like cigarettes that like my dad smokes. That must be what drugs are." Um, and then I kind of, and that was pretty much how I was really. I used to, I used to see things, observe things, and really take them on board and internalise them. And yeah, so my childhood was was quite disruptive. Um, there was, it was very unsettled, very unsafe environment, I'd say. Um, and my experience. When me and Joe talk, it you know, as I said, Joe was there for a lot of it. It is very different. He doesn't remember a lot of the things that that I remember for the for the for the first part. I don't know if that's because he genuinely wasn't paying attention, or if he's you know blocked it out, or if he's you know repressed it or whatever. But um, I've been hyper aware of of what was going on in my family for a really long time, from a really young age. Yeah, and just you know, thinking about that um, relationship with your brother, then um, is it just you two? No, so there's three boys. There, mm. there was a big gap. So there's me. I'm the eldest. Joe is 18 months younger, and then I have a younger brother, George. And there's 11 years between us. You know, this, maybe this conversation's come at, at you know just the right time. I don't know. It, it's funny because I think I've learned a lot in the last, as I say, 18 months, two years, and I've really sort of under, started to understand some of the decisions that I've made in the last, you know, five and ten years, and I've kind of drawn a line back to really how I've been for a long a long time which is quite protective of Joe George to a lesser extent because as I said it was a quite a different time it wasn't you know perfect or good when when George came along by any means um and you know drug addiction and it's not something that ever really goes away it's it's an ongoing thing um you know my dad staying clean is something he has to work on every day and always will have to work on so George, my, my, my memories of childhood with George are very different. Um, my memories with Joe, I guess, being so close in age as well. Um, yeah, I definitely protected him from stuff that was going on, but I also protected my mum. And what I mean by that is I had a very, um, I was very attuned to what was going on. And I, I used to sometimes know that my dad had used drugs and I would keep, I would sort of keep it from my mum. I would, or I'd try and do what I could for her not to find out because I knew that there would be arguments and she'd probably ask my dad to go and, you know, stay, you know, to sort of kick him out. She didn't, she didn't want him there when he was, when he was using drugs, which was, you know, which was a good thing. She didn't want him around us when he was like that. So I definitely know now as again, and this is stuff that I've learned through therapy and work and doing stuff that I was quite, quite protective 
of of my family and and Joe, um, and I'm still like that now. I'm still very protective of Joe. Um, I'm still quite protective of. Um, I don't. I really, you know, I don't like it when people are upset or or um, when there's up, up, unrest in my in my family. Although things have changed, I'm a dad now, and things have changed because I've had to refocus. You know, my energy has to go into them more than it does sort of worrying about my parents probably which I probably did for a really long time I, I I don't have the capacity to worry about them so much now um I do worry but I have to sort of yeah my priorities I guess have shifted a bit over the last you know few years If you're trying to grow your startup and you're dealing with companies outside of the UK, you're probably going to need ISO 27001 at some point. It's not the sexiest acronym, but it's basically the global standard for proving your security practices are up to scratch, like how you handle customer data. The same goes with SOC 2. You're going to need it if you're a SaaS company. But achieving these security frameworks can be very tedious and very costly. This is where our partner Vanta comes in. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work for certifications like ISO 27001, SOC 2, GDPR, HIPAA, and more, getting you audit ready in weeks instead of months and saving you up to 85% of the cost. And as a special offer, our listeners get 20% off Vanta. Just head to vanta.com slash secretleaders. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash secretleaders for 20% off. There's a link in the description. Look, you know I'm fascinated by AI, but until the machines take over, there's only one thing that's going to determine your company's fortunes. People. This isn't some kind of hollow point to make me look good. If you speak privately to any successful entrepreneur, they'll confirm it's true. So, if you're a leader of a growing business, then you should check out Personio. It brings together all the important HR things like hiring, onboarding, payroll data, performance reviews, and so on. You don't want loads of employees sending you emails asking for time off. You want to be able to see things objectively, like it's taking you too long to hire. You want to do performance reviews well, having clear goals for people that are logged in a centralized system. And you want to do all these things in one simple tool without having to become an HR expert. All of this is possible with Personio. Check it out at personio.com forward slash secret leaders. That's personio.com forward slash secret leaders. There's a link in the show notes. Sounds like you've got the same amount of worry, just more people to distribute it to. And so realistically, the intensity of any one person getting that worry has just been distributed slightly differently. Yeah, I, I'm definitely a worrier. I've always worried a lot. What do you worry about? I, I worry about I worry about everything. I have the capacity to worry about everything. Um, if I allow myself to go, you know, if I if I kind of allow myself to be that, you know, child who I was for many years, I used to lay in bed thinking and analyzing and trying to figure stuff out i can i can worry about everything and overthink things and think the worst um i think i've got much better at not allowing myself to go there as much now like i kind of stop myself and go okay look you have to this isn't going to get you anywhere um of course what you realize about you know worry a lot of things i used to worry about you know intent intensely as a, as a child you know didn't happen um you know, I used to worry that I was going to, someone's going to climb in my bedroom window and, and take me. Like, I used to worry that, you know, we were going to get taken into into care because, you know, of 
the the, the kind of the, the home life. So, and, and none of those things happened. I mean, obviously there were genuinely things, genuine things to worry about as well. But I think I've learned not to think too long and hard about things now. Um, but I worry about everything. I worry about my kids. I worry about you know, I, I get, I'm, I'm quite stressed at the moment about all the stuff that's happening in the world. Like if I, I can, I can sit and really overthink, well, think about that too much. It can make me quite, quite stressed and anxious. So I have to just stop. I have to stop myself and, and try and distract myself almost. I work a lot. I work a lot and I give myself, you know, I, I, I'm, I've been probably, um, quite bad at connecting with people and family and, you know, even Joe said, I don't, you know, I don't feel particularly close to you at the moment. And you don't see, your, you don't see mum very much. You don't see dad very much. And, you know, it, it there's tons of reasons, but I think fundamentally there, there is, there is a lot of truth in it. And I, I suppose I've been worried about when Joe said, oh, you know, I don't, he doesn't feel close to me. That, that did, I got off the phone and I've been, been thinking about it a lot and thinking, right, I need to, if he feels like that, I need to make more time. I need to stop working so much. I need to create that time for us to have. It was that strong sibling bond that brought Nicky back to help out his brother in 2015. At that point, Joe had a bit of a following, but they wanted to reach more people. I came back and originally um, as head of content um, to really help with like, you know, media and the content strategy. And, you know, I was very kind of into um, you know, I guess from being a journalist, like creating content. Um, so we, yeah, and that's really been what we've kind of built things on over the last sort of seven or eight years, really. Like we don't, we, we don't do any advertising and marketing. We've always kind of, in, we've kind of invested our energy and time into, into creating content. So, you know, whether it be the YouTube channel or our blog. Um, and then fast forward over the last, you know, three or four years, um, we started, we sat down and realized that we, you know, the product we had was great. The 90 day plan was the, was the core of the business. Um, it was a PDF, um, f fitness plan, uh, fitness and food plan. And over 600,000 people bought that over that time. And it was great. It helped a lot of people. Um, and yeah, I think we always knew that, you know, we needed to innovate it and make it better. It was so, it was quite static and there was, we knew we kept going, we can make this better. We can make this better. And we knew that an app, um, and technology was going to be the way forward. And that's really the journey we've been on for the last few years, four years, three, three or four years, kind of from having the idea to, to building it. And, and now it's been, it's been live for two years. So that's the core of our business now. Um, and yeah, we've been on a big hiring. Um, we've hired, yeah, we're 40 people now. I think we were 10 or 11 at the start of the year. Um, and during that hiring process, I, I started to interview people um, and I realised, you know, people were asking, what's the setup? Who, who, am I, who will I be reporting into? And I just sort of rang Joe and I was like, Joe, I, I, think, I, I think I need to be the CEO um, because I, someone needs to be the CEO because people need to know how this is set up. Like, am I going to be working with Joe every day? Or, you know, and I'm very much sort of behind the scenes working on the business. So that, that's how I, you know, I guess I was doing it anyway. I was, I've been in the role of kind of running the company for a few years now. Um, but yeah, it's all become quite official and definitely, you know, more mature in the business sense this year. It's all very new still. It's, it's really interesting. Like one of the big trends in, um, in consumer businesses and particularly apps is 
ultimately your accidental thesis, which is it's really hard to build great products and it's really hard to build an audience. So for most new companies that are starting from scratch, their edge is rarely we can build a great product because you always have to build a great product from scratch anyway. And so the logical thesis becomes, well, if you have an audience, you have an unfair advantage against the rest of the market and you can beat the rest of the market and you can build a great business from that, which is why we're seeing this enormous trend towards, you know, once called influencer, now called creator led brands. Um, your thesis is obviously totally accidental you know, it plays into exactly the logical process of things. And it just so happened that Joe is clearly very lucky to have a brother who is a natural business partner fit, right? Different skills, um, the right motivation. Very hard to find that, right? Because you can't, if Joe had this big audience, but you didn't have the motivation, then it would be kind of irrelevant what your skills were. Um, and if you didn't have the right attitude and didn't want to do it yourself and weren't interested in this, it would be very irrelevant at any case, like whether or not you were technically able to do it. So it seems like, you know, there's this sort of, um, well, I'm reminded of the quote um, by Seneca, which is uh, luck is preparation times opportunity or something like that. Probably butchering it, but it's something along those lines. And it feels very much like, you know, that's your luck with the body coach. It's like, you know, the hard work and persistence from Joe in the background, building up these things. Also having a brother who's willing to um, listen, most importantly, listen for listen to his brother, but also listen to the signal in the market and the potential growth opportunity for yourself to change your own intrinsic motivations and change the course of your career and start building this business. And I think it's a really interesting story for people to listen to and a really interesting flow of events for people to consider because when we go through our careers, you know, one of the scariest things, uh, the thing that most people don't do, sadly, is consider change. And actually, you did an entire career change to do this, and it's put you in an incredible position. I wonder, you know, if you spend much time reflecting on that reality at all. And me and Joe talk about this a lot. We don't we don't acknowledge and and stop to sort of, you know, celebrate or recognize. It's just been very kind of it's just, you know, a bit of a, a whirlwind, really, the last the last sort of seven years since since I've been back um, and even even longer, because, I, as I said, it feels like I was, you know, involved in the background sort of you know from the start in in some way but yeah it has definitely it does you know it does feel it does feel accidental i, I joke about it and you know sort of, i'm sort of this accidental ceo but there's there was never any point where we sat down and said oh let's build this really awesome like let's build a great business or let's it's kind of all come about really from the same starting point like when joe when joe asked me to come back it was like you know i'm I've got this product and so, and I'm, I'm kind of really connecting with people on social media and I really think like I can reach more people um, and I can get more people, you know, have, have more impact on more people. Um, and that's always, that's the main thing like that we sit, sit around talking about all the time, you know, 10 years on, we still go, how can we reach more people? How can we get more people moving um, or eating healthy food? And whether that's through the YouTube channel, which is, you know, completely free and has, you know, millions and millions of people do that. Um, or whether it's our app that some people find and use and have amazing experiences on, or, or whether it's, you know, whether they buy a book for seven pounds, um, 
we always say like a, someone that does our YouTube channel for a year or two years or five years is is just as important to us as somebody that subscribes to our app for two years. Um, it, it's always been kind of the mission really has been like super clear from the start. And we've been very kind of protective of staying on, you know, there's, there've been, you know, there've been distractions along the way. And, but I think ultimately we've always said, no, this doesn't, this isn't what we're trying to do. So why, why do it? But your question around, you know, acknowledging and reflecting, I'm not very good at that. No, I've taken risks before. I mean, I took, you know, I took a big, a big pay cut, um, to join the team on the Olympics. I had quite, you know, I had a, I had a, I had a job and I was working in trade magazines and I had an opportunity to work on the Olympics and it was a, a short-term contract and it was uncertain and the money was was different. I would take that if it was something I really wanted to do, I would take that every time and I've I think I've kind of done that in the past as well. Um I've kind of gone with what I really want to do versus you know, stability or, or money or, or whatever it may be. So I've, I have sort of jumped ship before. Yeah, I definitely have no regrets. I mean, it's been the best seven, you know, work wise. I've, I love what we do so much. Like I have, doesn't feel like work, right. You know, it's just one of those. And I know, you know, you, you feel like this when it's something you really, really, really care about. It doesn't feel like work. And I think that's what feeds into me, you know, never really switching off and people, you know, looking at my, looking at me, my family going, oh, you, you know, you, you, you never switch off. And it's like, well, it's true, but I don't even feel like I'm working. It just feels like I'm doing something that I really, really care about. And I get to do it every day. So what about, um, being a CEO? What about building a company like Body Coach? Um, I know you don't want to talk about revenue necessarily, but can you talk about, you know, how many, uh, like how many downloads or how many users you're at, you know, and what speed so people get a bit of context as well. And, you know, the growth journey you guys are actually on, because like, frankly, it's very important for me to say, you're not here having an interview because you're Joe Wick's brother and you're not here having an interview because we've met and got on. You're here because you're actually building a super fast growth company with incredible numbers. So um, there's a lot for people to learn and there's a lot for people to resonate with as well because what you're doing is building a scale up, um, you know, with a jetpack on. So I'd, I'd love to know how you're actually handling that experience mentally. It's in, it's super hard. Like I, I found it really challenging knowing what to do and, and kind of, you know, having kind of doing things instinctively, which were around, I guess, building the brand, but even that wasn't any sort of an intention, but it was kind of like, right, this feels like the right thing to do. That becomes really complicated. Like when, when other people, you know, when you start to hire, so we built our app with an agency. Um, you know, they, they did at one point, there was a team of 40, you know, nearly 40 people working on the app, but out, you know, outsourced, if you like, well, outsourced, completely outsourced. Um, and you know, in hindsight, um, that was a really great, you know, great year because we were building this great product. We were getting to sort of, you know, steer it and direct it. And me and Joe were like, right, this is what we want it to do. And this is what we want it to look like. But with none of the complication of like managing and building a team. And so this year has all been about bringing all of that expertise in house because as you said, you know, it is, it is a fast growing app. I mean, we, we, um, you know, we hit a million downloads, in you know within the first year organically we, we we didn't spend any money on marketing for 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 a long time we still have a very um 
small marketing well we actually haven't we actually turned off all our marketing about about three or four months ago now the brand has been very much built on organic kind of on our own channels we do have an, an email database and you know with near with a million subscribers we've obviously got people like the um all of our followers on social um so and we're self-funded and i think that's we didn't mention that but we we are self-funded we've never taken on any money and i think that that does mean we're in a slight, we were in a different, you know, when I talk to other founders and CEOs, like the, our pressures are different. Like we're not, we're not under sort of pressures from investors and things like that. So that's, that puts us, puts us in quite a, a unique position, I think as well. And in terms of the product, like we really focused on, you know, me and Joe talk about this a lot, but you know, would we take like a million paying subscribers that weren't using the app and weren't getting any benefit and weren't, you know, um, weren't improving their fitness, or would we take a hundred thousand users that are using it and engaged and transforming their lives? Like we would choose the latter every time. So it's it's changing the way the decisions we make as well around the product and how we move forward with it. So, you know, we a good example of this. We were having a, a product conversation recently. We were, you know, when you got a subscription product you know, retention is like the big, right, churn and retention, right? This is like something we've only just started to, to grapple with in the last year or two. Um, but retention is something that if, with a subscription product is is kind of an important um, metric. Um, but I started to look at it and, you know, we were talking about people sort of one-year retention and two-year retention and longer-term retention. And, you know, our product has always been, you know, designed or it helps people get started on their journey and some people have never exercised before they 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 sign up to the app they might have you know a really great experience and then go off to like do iron man or or something else right and if they go on that journey that's like amazing like that's the best thing ever so why do I care about their retention? Like I don't, I don't want to start building features that holds on to these people forever. Because actually, we've done what we wanted to do, which is take that person, that individual, and take them on a journey where they can start to learn um, and fall in love with fitness. Essentially, and we, when we do, we do that on a on a massive scale. Like we're talking millions. You know, millions of people have been on on that journey with, with Joe, whether it's through the app or through the through the YouTube channel. And having that like constant anchor of like why are we doing this is is the thing that I think prevents me from. I'm very good. You know, I know I am very good at. Um, I mean, I exercise. Religion. You know, I ex- exercise. I meditate. I have ice cold showers. For me, like exercise, unsurprisingly, given the industry I work in, is the is the quickest way for me to reset myself. Um, when I've had a really really bad day uh, or a hard day. Um, I will now choose to come in and go straight on the on my Peloton for half an hour before I try and do dinner time and bedtime and bath time with the kids. Because I know before I would say, well, you've come in, you should be switched on and be a parent and be engaged and be present straight away. But actually, and then there'd be loads of guilt if I didn't do that. But actually what I realise now is, I'm no use coming in with that level of stress. Like I'm better off getting on the bike for 20 minutes and then losing that, you know, losing that 20 minutes of time. But actually the time I then have after is real, is much better time, well spent, a quality time. So um, 
but it's it is really hard and I, I i don't even it's obviously stressful there's obviously challenges every day you know i found people to be really complex and how do you keep teams happy and individuals happy and 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 i and i'm learning that when there's 40 people that becomes harder and it's going to get harder and harder um my my kind of family can can this be like a nice family business where everyone comes to each other with all their problems openly honestly all the time you know that's probably unrealistic as we grow yeah i don't know if i'm rambling massively rambling it's bloody hard and if i don't do things constantly like exercise or now you know once a year i try and have something you know um i've been on a silent retreat a silent retreat for two years for a week um i need these things in my diary as well um but yeah, taking breaks is and 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 looking after my physical mental health is like it's, I I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't. You know, it's interesting just hearing you talk about um, you know building audience, uh, you know, and, and what really matters to you. You know, at Heights we have exactly the same thing. Our North Star metric at Heights, obviously, you know, slightly smaller um, uh, influencer than Joe potentially. But, you know, our North Star metric is all about building audience in brain care. So the whole company is is galvanized around that as our North Star. And it's a small fraction of people that we uh, have following us on social, joining one of our newsletters, joining our, one of our, you know, uh, smaller testing communities, like the various things we do. It's a tiny fraction of that that become customers. But it's really important for us as a company to always focus on the bigger number. And the bigger number is, are we getting the message around brain care across to people and sharing like the various things that they can do selling supplements anything around nutrition is one part of it and so are we getting the broader message around it across that's always going to matter the most um and it's really important right it's really important to be um genuinely uh galvanizing a team and working towards something much bigger than like hard hardcore numbers because at the end of the day it doesn't really motivate most people and certainly isn't uh very uh, you know, soulful, let's just say that much. So my penultimate question, you know, a lot of people want to know, you know, a lot of people ask me, for example, what's it like working with your best friend? I've heard I shouldn't go into business with my best friend, right? It's a very common thing. And for me, um, it's been the best decision ever to go into business with my best friend because you can uh, learn skills and we both had to learn loads of skills over the last 10 years. Um, but you can learn skills on the fly and where you are in your journey as a human being at the time of working together should pale in no real reality or consideration for where you'll be in 10 years learning skills. But you can't necessarily, that's what I always say to people, you can't necessarily just create trust out of nowhere. And the psychological safety and care and love that comes from true authentic friendship that, that starts from day one so meaningful and so powerful so that's usually my answer to people who ask that question about friendship i imagine a lot of people would want to know and do ask you as well you know what's it like to work with family then you know you mentioned you know can't always feel like family here necessarily how much does that thought weigh on you like how much do you think about you know purposely am i trying to create an extension of what started as family or am i trying to take the best bits of family and build a business you know i was nervous uh, you know seven years ago eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, when Joe asked me to come back, I was very aware of that, you know, that whole thing of it's really difficult to work with friends or it never works or partners and family. And, you know, I, I've definitely proved that anxiety or that fear to be to be wrong because we've, you know, we're still here. But yeah, we, you know, it, 
I love it. Like I love, I love working with Joe and he is my best friend as well as, and he is my brother, but I don't think we're trying to build a family business because we both believe that the body coach brand and, and what we stand for can be a massive, you know, global thing, you know, and it already is to, to, to an extent, you know, we already have, you know, millions of workouts in, in, in America and Australia and, and, one of the things that we're sort of aware of and we're working on and we're sort of thinking about a lot lately is, you know, is legacy and how can we build something that is around, you know, in 50 years from now. And we, we, we really believe that the body coach brand could be something that people come to, to when they think of food and fitness and, and eating well and movement and, we know that there's a journey we need to go on to, you know, separate Joe from it and somehow some at some point and it, and it will take time. They are one and the same. Um, you know, I think if you look at the books, like the, the, it's the, the titles on, on a lot of them, the author, sorry, like, you know, Joe Wicks, the body coach. Um, if you think about all of the, the social handles, right? Joe, you know, it's at the body coach. Um, the YouTube, you know, P with Joe was on the body coach TV. They're very intertwined. Joe is like, he's our, he's our secrets. He, he's the magic behind everything we do because of, you know, his, the way he connects with people. We wouldn't be here without Joe. And yet it's also a real, a real challenge because, you know, scaling him is, is really, is impossible. So, you know, we've experienced that with the app, like people love the live workouts with Joe, but Joe can't do five live workouts a week because it's really exhausting. The big thing is like, how do we move it away from Joe? And that doesn't just mean from a brand perspective, but even like I said, me handing over stuff to people in, in the team um, and people that join and, and, and delegating and, and, and that trust thing you mentioned is, is super important. But I do love some of the family, the, some of the family elements, right? Like it's hard, like me and Joe are obviously family and we got my cousin works for the business our best friend is our head of video so i do think you can be a you know i believe we can be a great company that has you know a really great organization and and has some of that family feel to it why not and just listening to your passion and the framework that you've got but also the the clarity and the care i wouldn't bet against you doing that my final question to you that I want you to leave listeners considering is what advice would you give to people that want to start on their own journey, building a fitness empire, a fitness business, something in health and wellness that improves people's lives? There's lots of things. I think the main thing is, and this is going to sound like super obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's like, you know, if you really, if you really do care about what you're trying to do and and your mission if you really, really, truly care about that thing, like focus on that thing and don't get distracted by certainly in so, you know, now it's, it's really, it's a great time to build a fitness brand. Social media is perfect for that. It's getting harder. Like I can, you know, the 10 year journey of social media, you know, for us has been a real, you know, we've seen the, seen the whole curve. Like Joe's one of the first, wasn't the first, but he was one of the early food accounts right food that instagram you know really took off for joe with the lean and 15 recipe videos and it was a different time 10 years ago so it's a lot harder but still a great opportunity i'm still a massive believer in in social media and how powerful it can be um but with that comes distraction so you know the influencer 
thing can creep in and i think that can you can really start to get distracted by that and all of a sudden you're promoting i don't know protein powder or 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 whatever it may be and and are you still kind of thinking about that goal of i want to help people get fitter and healthier and i think we've we have stayed really true to that and tried to focus on that at all times and anything that doesn't align with that um you know we've 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 tried to say no to so the one lesson i would say definitely social media is amazing and use it but also try to really stay focused on on the reason you started in the first place amazing nikki thank you so much for spending your time sharing the business and all of your insights and for breaking your duck right for being the first podcast you've been on really appreciate your time coming out of the shadows and sharing the story thanks dan nikki wicks ceo of the body coach I hope you enjoyed this episode of Secret Leaders. We'll be back next week with more inspiring stories from the world's top entrepreneurs. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. I've been your host, Dan Murray-Serta. This episode was produced by Ruth Edwards and brought together by our head of podcast, Will Stolomon.